0: The Old Testament reading for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost comes from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 16 through 29. Thus said the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who desire the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows their own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until He has executed and accomplished the intents of His heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in My counsel, then they would have proclaimed My words to My people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand? declares the Lord, and not a God afar off. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart? who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams, that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. This is the word of the Lord."
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Our epistle reading comes from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 31 and 12, 1 through 3. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figurative, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning their bones. By faith, Moses By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. My dear Christian friends, are these really the words of Jesus? I mean Isaiah prophesies that the Messiah will come and the Messiah will be the Prince of Peace. Jesus seems to be preaching division here, not peace, separation, not unity. We might find it easier to go the way of the textual critic who is always making judgments about what the real Jesus said or what the real Jesus did. The textual critic might say that this reading today doesn't fit with Jesus' other teachings. They might just decide that the peace-loving Jesus could never have said something like this. He was always tolerant of people, etc. And so likely this wasn't in the original document but was added later by somebody else. We can safely ignore it. But we do not presume to place ourselves above God's holy word. These are the words of Jesus as recorded by the eyewitness and so we have to ask ourselves what is the division that Jesus came to bring? What is the baptism that he longs to accomplish? And if we look at our Old Testament reading today, I think we see a glimpse of the answer to that question. In Jeremiah, there, we call him the weeping prophet. He is prophesying uh, that there is going to be judgment on Israel. That's a kind of a common theme. But uh, the people of God have rejected him as their king, as their lord. They've turned away from his worship. They worship all kinds of other idols. They commit all kinds of evil and God's judgment is falling on them. And Jeremiah preaches the word of the Lord that the people should repent of their sin, should turn back to God. The disaster is coming on them as God's judgment. The captivity in Babylon will be the result of their idolatry. But then false prophets rise up and they say to the people, Hey, don't listen to Jeremiah. There is no disaster coming. God is happy with you. You don't have to worry about this. There's no judgment coming. It shall be well with you. But God in heaven says, these are not my prophets. They have not been in my council chamber. They have not heard my word or they would give it to you. He says they are speaking lies in my name. What has straw in common with wheat? And where I grew up on the desert in California uh, they grew a lot of alfalfa. So that's my idea of straw that's what was fed to the animals and uh, so that uh, would be cut down and laid in just like like uh, you see here, laid in the field till it gets dry and bound up into bales. We, we had small bales there. And so I always thought of these this comparison as alfalfa and wheat plants in my mind when I would hear this reading. But I've come to understand that that's not really the comparison. The comparison is the wheat kernels with the Chaff with the straw, the stalk that was cut off of the wheat because that was virtually unusable and would be thrown into the fire. It was worthless. The wheat is what you wanted. The kernel is what you wanted. So when God here says, what has straw in common with wheat? He's comparing the worthless preaching of the prophets there compared to Jeremiah and the value of that there is in God's word, the kernel of the matter. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. And with these words we see the justice of God, that sin must be punished and will be punished. And the people don't like this. They don't like to hear this message, this law of God calling them to repentance. They would rather listen to that stubble, to the chaff, the worthless straw of the false prophets than the good, wholesome kernel of God's word. I know you're familiar with the phrase history repeats itself. Mark Twain uh, had an interesting twist on this idiom. He said history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. And I think that's a good, a good image of what happens over and over again. We read this in the Old Testament all the time. Uh, it could be in a number of different prophetic books. God was angry with the people for their idolatry and so he sent something to punish them, to bring them to repentance. The great repeating, rhyming theme in history is man's rejection of God and of God's Word. And we certainly are in the midst of that. We've seen that um, multiplying in the recent decades, I think, that the word sin and the talk of God's law has fallen more and more out of favor. And not just out there in the culture, but even in churches that call themselves the Christian church afraid to talk about these things because as churches lose members many strive to um, marry their teachings with the teachings of the culture they embrace a softened approach to sin and a loose approach to God's word it's an attempt to harmonize the law of God with the beliefs of of the people, the beliefs of the culture, to create unity, to create a harmony between the two. And in order to do that, one side has to bend, because they're not in agreement. And more often than not we know the side that bends is God's Word. That's what has to bend. Change God's Word, mold it a little bit, shape it a little bit, ignore some of it, so that we can have unity with it and agreement. More and more, people today don't believe, really, in sin. At least not in the way that the Bible talks about sin. I mean, people might agree with the really bad sins, right? Like murder and um, uh, child abuse, uh, spousal abuse, some of those kinds of things, you know, the really big sins. But little ones, the ones that are so common that, are, that everybody does, you know lying, pride, lust, cheating, coveting, adultery, these, we're just kind of going to overlook these. They don't have real consequences in today's society. A loving God would not punish these sins. God's wrath is a fairy tale we should live in whatever way feels good to us. No worries. In July of 2016, a young man named Luke Akins became the first person ever to leap out of an airplane without a parachute and without a gliding suit and not land in another airplane, I guess that's been done, but land on the ground, almost. There was a net strung just above the ground held up by a couple of cranes. The net was 100 feet by 100 feet. What's 100 feet? Is it roughly the length of the pews? The length of the sanctuary, so make it square? That's the size that he was trying to hit and he leaped out of the airplane at 25,000 feet and came down. There were three other jumpers that went with him to film and um, he had to have oxygen at 25,000 feet. That's how high that is. And during the the fall, another uh, uh, jumper came and took the oxygen from him when he had gotten down low enough, 13,000 feet or so. The fall took two minutes. He was aiming for that spot. To miss that spot, would mean certain death. There was a crowd watching him. And at the last moment, he flipped over onto his back and landed in the net. So why am I telling you that story? (laughs) The Greek word for sin is hamartano, hamartano. That's Greek for sin and it's a phrase, it's a, I'm sorry, it's a word that is used in the archery pastime, warfare. It means to miss the mark. That's what the word sin, we translate it as sin, in the Greek it means to miss the mark. That's what sin is. If Luke had missed his mark, he would have died instantly. And what we know is that as Adam and Eve missed the mark, they died as God promised they would. They died spiritually, and then they died physically as well. Now up until now, I've mostly been talking about uh, third-person things. They, those people over there, the Jews of Jesus' day, the Israelites in Jeremiah's day, the society out there, those false prophets out there, but the problem of sin is not out there. The problem of sin is in here. The problem of sin is a first person problem. All have sinned. We confess this morning I have sinned and I have fallen short. I have missed the mark. And the warning consequent—the warning of the consequences of sin that was given to Adam and Eve, that if they missed the mark they would die, that immovable, unchangeable word of God is the same for you and for me. The sin that we struggle with The sin that God's law is so clear about, whether it's lying or wanting what someone else has, whether it's murder or murder in our heart, whether it's adultery or adultery in our heart, or theft or angry words, or defining for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. The sin that dwells in us must be dealt with if we are to live with God and not be cast into the outer darkness forever. There is no coating it. Ezekiel says, the soul that sins, it shall die. Those are God's words. The soul that sins, it shall die. Into this sinful humanity is born Emmanuel. God with us. God one of us. The apostle John writes, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came as light to walk in the darkness, to call sinners out of that darkness and into his marvelous light, Peter says. being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." You see, Jesus Christ came not to fit in with the culture or to bring some message of tolerance for sin. He came to raid the castle of of the evil ruler of this dark world to set the prisoners free. He didn't come to make nice, but to conquer, to cast fire on the earth, to bring division, division between light and dark, division between sin and righteousness, division between death and life. It's not hard for us uh, to find great evil in the world. We see that all the time. And we wonder at it sometimes as though we're surprised. I know I do. But this world is fallen. It is corrupted by sin. And if we take an honest look through the lens of God's Word we see that evil in our own flesh at work. The real surprise should not be that there's evil around us. The real surprise should be that despite that evil, despite our own sin and idolatry, that God loves us, that God loves all people, that he would have all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The real surprise is that Christ did not come to destroy sinners, but to save them. to his own way. We are sinners, every one of us, no less guilty than any other sinner on earth, deserving God's condemnation for sin, for missing the mark of perfection. But Isaiah continues, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God placed on the God-man, Jesus Christ, each and every one of our sins. And these sins, all the sins that might even be coming to your mind right now, each and every one of these sins was there, laid on Jesus as he suffered God's punishment, as he endured the suffering and the hell that should have come to us. God did not set aside his law. He did not lower the bar to make it easier for us to attain perfection. If he had done that he would have nullified his own word but rather Jesus was born under the law to fulfill the law. He was absolutely sinless, perfect lamb, striking the mark perfectly and was sacrificed for you and for me. We, the church, must call sin what it is. We must draw attention to the ugliness that we all carry. We must preach God's word that because of sin God's judgment is coming at the end of the age and preach that for those who have faith in Jesus Christ there is the free gift of forgiveness. There is life and salvation. God's Word certainly is a hammer and a fire. It is not a popular message. Not in this spiritual, spiritually dark world. Calling sin, sin is not going to put smile, smiles on people's faces and it's not going to fill the pews of our churches it may even bring anger out in people. But it will give people the truth and an opportunity to repent. And it will make a way in many hearts for God's clear message of the gospel. For that gospel good news word as well that tells of our salvation in His Son Jesus Christ who died and who rose to give us the victory over sin and death. To God be the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.